This is the Sales Gravy Podcast. I'm Jeb Blunt, best-selling author of Fanatical Prospecting Sales EQ, Objections and Inked, and I'm here to help you fill up your pipeline, close bigger deals, and rock your commission check. On this episode of the Sales Gravy Podcast, I spend time with my good friend, Mark Hunter, talking about sales mindset and how you build a winning mindset. You're going to learn tips, tactics, and techniques for thriving in your sales career, getting the income and the customers that you deserve, and crushing it even in this current down economy that is driven by the global pandemic and crisis. So let's get started. We are here in the Sales Gravy Clubhouse with the great Mark Hunter, and we're gonna have a conversation about something that Mark and I are both incredibly passionate about. Uh, it is having a mind for sales, it's mindset. And uh, Mark, I wanna welcome you to the Sales Gravy Clubhouse and our show today. Um, I'm, I'm so impressed by this book, it's incredible. And the, uh, the, the first question I have for you is, is, what was the driver, like what made you choose to write A Mind for Sale? Well, it really came to me by way of Star Wars. Okay, I got to I got to share the story. See, I wrote High Profit Selling first, which is about maximizing price. Then I figured out, wait a minute, if you don't have the right prospect, you can't close it. So then I wrote High Profit Prospecting. Then I realized, wait a minute, you can't prospect unless you got the right mindset. So that's what really caused me to write A Mind for Sales. So really, it worked for Star Wars. I'm just doing the whole prequel thing. But if you think about it, right now especially, if you don't have the right headset, if your head's not screwed on straight, I don't care what sales tools you have. I don't care what processes you have, what you sell. If your head's not screwed on straight, there's no way you're going to be successful. Exactly right, because sales is so full of adversity. We, we've got a lot of pain. We've got a lot of sacrifice. It takes a lot of discipline. And of course, we know that in any endeavor like this, mindset matters. Before we jump in, I've got some questions for you. But would, would you be kind enough to maybe define what you mean by mindset in your words? Yeah, uh, a mindset really comes down to why is it that you sell? Now, okay, let's lift a line from Simon Sinek. You know, he, he wrote the why book. But if you stop and think about it, why are you even in sales to begin with? I believe my definition of sales, and this is, has to be the framework of your mindset, is to help others see and achieve what they did not think was possible. Now, when you have that framework as the basis for why you sell, it's amazing how it changes how you look at each customer, how you look at each prospect, how you set your day up, because it's no longer about the thing. It's about the outcome you create. And that's really what, when we say, do you have a mind for sales? Because the mind is not only your mind, but it's the customer's mind. Because you know what's very interesting? It's amazing how what you hear, say, and read becomes what you think. So guess what? When you're sharing with a customer, when you're talking with a customer, guess what? You are imparting on them, and they're imparting on you. You see, sales is truly a two-way street. It's you and the customer. And I firmly believe that your mind very much impacts how the customer in turn views you. Just to uh, to grab a little out of that, you, you talked about what you're putting into yourself. So what I always say to salespeople is what you put in your ear holes and your eye holes have a tendency to come out of your mouth hole. And when you're standing in front of a customer, if you're putting negative things in and you know we're, we're recording this in a particularly delicate time um, for everyone in the middle of the pandemic and, and, and world global crisis that's impacting everybody. There's a lot of bad stuff coming in. Last night, for example, when I, before I went to bed, I was scrolling through Facebook and I, I spent maybe 15 minutes on it. When I got done, I, like, I, was, I felt horrible in my stomach because I'm just reading all this negative stuff. And you think that's what happens to you when you do that. So it's important that, that you're putting things in that build up your mindset. The second thing that you said that I think is incredibly important, you were talking about uh, high profit prospecting was uh, was that that it requires a a a mindset a particular mindset in order to prospect. One of one of the things that I believe about prospecting is that it's long stretches of suck interrupted by a few brief moments of elation. And and you could say that sales is a lot like that as well. And 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 that means that that with those long stretches of suck, 
you said like you have to know your why. You got to know what you want. You have to tap into your desire because it takes discipline. And all discipline is, just so that we can get clear on this, is sacrificing what you want now for what you want most. And and that and sometimes that means sacrificing what you want now for the good of your customer, especially in these trying times that we're in. In a lot of cases, you're making some personal sacrifices in order to keep your customer over the long term, play the long game, as a lot of people say. So so it's the it's it's your attitude, your belief system, your mindset that gives you the strength to rise above all of these disruptive emotions that get in the way, along with your own desire to get what you want to help other people get what they want. The question I have for you, Mark, is, and this is a, a kind of a, maybe a delicate question, but when you were writing this book, like, did, were you like clairvoyant? I mean, did you have some sort of Nostradamus, you know, the the Nostradamus of the of the sales hunter that that got got you so far ahead of the curve that this book dropped right in the middle of the coronavirus crisis when people like me and salespeople across the globe need this inspiration the most. Well, you know, I've had so many notes back from people who have been able to read the preview copies and so forth. They've said, wow, how did you write this book so fast? Okay, I'm not quite as fast as you because, I mean, you've got a book coming out very soon, virtual selling, which is so spot on. And that was an idea you just came up with a few weeks ago. And so I'm sorry, I don't work as fast as you, Jim. But here's what I found when I was writing this book last year, because I really do. it, It really comes down to your headset. And you're right. Right now in particular, I'm going to share with you something funny. I had a few people push back on me. They said, Mark, how can you launch a book with what's going on around right now? And I said, no, this is a message. This is a message that has got to get out right now because this message really is about helping you stay in the game or even get in the game. Because here's something else, and you and I subscribe to the same belief on this when it comes to prospecting. Prospecting is ugly. It's difficult. We get it. But we we frame it with this whole, that if, if you have the ability to help somebody, then it's your responsibility to reach out to them, right? And, and I firmly believe that this book has the ability to help people right now, especially. Just as the same when you come out with your book, Virtual Selling is going to help people. And Again, this is what drives sales. Sales is about helping people get to a position, get to a place that they need to be at. I'm, you know, I'm passionate about that. You're passionate about sales because we know that we can help people. I, I, I kind of have to take a little bit of a side path. You and I have been off the road for several weeks now. But you and I have been going 24-7. I mean, my calendar is as full as can be. Why? Because we firmly believe that there's opportunities there. There's the ability to help people. So because we have the ability, it's our responsibility. We're stepping up and we're making it happen. And that's what I love about what I'm doing right now. And that's why I'm so passionate about this book, A Mind for Sales, getting it out right now. For me, as you know, as a as a fellow author, uh, I certainly took a look at this launch that you were doing, and and early on thought, wow, you really got hit with bad luck. I mean, because I don't, I don't, I don't even think at the beginning of March that you thought this was coming. And I and I've been I've been absolutely inspired by the courage that you have to to keep going. And then once you know, once I started getting into the book, I really understood the message and why you were doing this and why it matters so much for sales professionals right now. Because it's hard to maintain a positive mindset in this particular space because everything around you is going so crazy and it's really easy to, to lose your confidence, to, get, to, to become insecure and to forget what your job is and that is to help people. We, we talked a little bit, Mark, about where mindset, a mind for sales fits into prospecting. Walk us through the remainder of the sales process. So just to, to stop for a second and be clear for the audience, prospecting is asking for time and sales is asking for a series of commitments. So asking for time is the hardest ask in sales. And that's why Mark and I start there because that's the place that most salespeople fall down. That's what we hate the most. That's why we say prospecting is long stretches of suck, you know, interrupted by a few brief moments of, of elation. But the rest of the sales process, that's what a lot of salespeople live for. Talk about where mindset fits in initial meetings and discovery and advancing through the process and 
presentations, negotiation, closing. Talk about that. Well, see, the mindset comes into play so critically because it keeps you in the game. Here's what happens. I see too many salespeople, what they do is they want to, to jump to the end or this is the process. And now especially, your mindset has to be one of listening to the customer. What are they telling you? What are they saying? I firmly believe the customer will take us to the point where they need us if we allow them to talk, if we allow them. But what this means is that you have to be comfortable and you have to be confident enough to be able to allow the customer to share. Now, this is what's interesting. The customer will give you as much time as you need if they feel you're going to be valuable to them. Well, how do you create value to them? How do you create value? Because, you know, right, I, I got to get time and then I got to be able to work you through the process. But each step of the way, I've got to create value. I'm creating value by taking what you're sharing with me and being able to link it back, link it back to something. And my whole objective with every call, with every communication, you've heard me share this line before, is to earn the right, the privilege, the honor, and the respect to be able to talk with you again. But I have to bring value. Now, what's very interesting in, in this WFH, SFH, we don't know how long this is all going to last, work from home and selling from home. It changes dynamics dramatically about how communication occurs. But I think what it does is it actually increases our need to do two things. It increases our need to do two things. A, to allow you, the customer, to share your backstory. Everybody's got a backstory. Everybody has a backstory. I got to allow you to share that backstory. And what's interesting is as you share that backstory, you're going to share with me those little granular grains of sand that I can build on, that I can come back to. And what does that allow me to do? That allows me to connect with you. That allows, that allows you to feel like I have your best interest in mind, which I do. I do have your best interest in mind. And what am I doing here? I'm moving the process. But here's the other piece in this environment. We have to actually sell faster than ever because the marketplace is changing. The, every day we wake up, the marketplace has changed. So I have to make it as simple for you, the customer, to be able to do business with me. If I make it complex, you're going to sit there and say, ah, I don't know. I got to wait and see. You see, so what does this mean? It increases my need. But here's where it comes back to the mindset. If you don't have the mindset to listen and being able to wiggle and shake to fit the customer, to be able to adapt and to hear and to play back, there's no way that you're going to be able to have any chance of being able to expedite the process to be able to close the sale. Closing the sale, and again, I've, I've, got, I've got a piece in the group it, in the book. It, it, it's really not closing the sale. I'm, I'm opening a relationship. I'm, I'm creating the next opportunity. And more so than ever right now, what I want to do is I want to get you in. I want to bring you in as a customer so I can begin to really delight you, share with you what I can do. And then I'm going to incrementally build additional value for you. You see, this initial sale is just one step in creating incremental value for you over the lifetime, over the lifetime of the relationship I'm going to have with you. This morning, watching a uh, an old Zig Ziglar video, and it just popped up on my screen. And whenever mm -hmm. Zig is on, you just I, I don't you know he's been dead for a long time, but I still have to watch Zig. And and he was it was just just basically he was sitting in his office talking about why you have to have a mindset of giving. If you help enough people get what they want, then you'll get what you want. And it sounds a lot like what you just described was that like the. But you, but you built it out. It's not just you know just walking around giving, but you have to you have to have the mind to listen and the mind to to give people space to talk about themselves and to tell their stories. You have to listen to what's being said in between. Which when you're selling from home or working from home and you're not face to face, this is one of the things we're addressing in the new book, Virtual Selling. And by the way, that's a mindset too. To think that you can do these things, you have to listen harder. You have to slow down. You have to be patient, and you have to. But but it's the mindset of my job is to help you. And when you, when you don that mindset, when you put that mindset on, 
then it helps you take your ego out of, out of play, take what you want out of play, and really, truly listen to other people. Did I get that right? Yeah, you sure did, because this is this is what I'm finding so many times. People say they can't sell because they don't have the right tools. Oh, I don't have the right tools in my sales stack, or I don't have the right leads. I don't have the right, I, I don't have the right this. And, and I go, that is just a big, giant excuse. That's just a big, giant excuse for them wanting to pass blame to somebody else, something else, as to why they can't do what they do. You see, the top performing salespeople, you and I, we, we own the process. And, and we get dealt setbacks every day. I don't care who you are. I, I, I still remember the last conversation. You were talking about Zig. I still remember the last conversation I had with Zig and the redhead, his wife. And I still remember it fondly. We're standing in the lobby of a hotel. We had both been speaking at a conference. And he never, ever forgot that it's the other person. That it's the other person. And it was amazing. I'm having this five-minute conversation with him. And I felt like he was so engulfed in me. But wow, right now especially, that's really what sales is all about. Very good. What a great message. Let's step back for just a moment and from the sales process. And let's talk about Mondays. In the book, you talk about why Mondays are so important and and, and Mondays are your start. Can you elaborate a little bit on Mondays? Take us through the, 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 the process of getting your mind set for sales on this important day. Yeah, I, I, I have a whole piece in here. Early on, there's a chapter on how to set up Monday. Here's the whole thing. Too many salespeople waste away Monday. And oh, hey, sales managers, I want to call you out because you are contributing to the waste by having a boring meeting. Okay, we'll drop the mic on that one. We may come back to that later. But here's the whole thing. If you sit there and waste Monday, because what you're doing is you're getting ready to sell. You're getting ready to do. You are wasting 20% of your day. And don't give me this garbage that, oh, well, I can't prospect. Nobody wants to hear from a salesperson on Monday. Give me a break. I've had some of my best opportunities. And, and, and anybody out there, you're selling into multiple multiple industries. So let's not kid ourselves. There might be one industry that maybe Monday doesn't work. Maybe, but chances are that's only your belief set. But there's plenty of other industries that you can. You see, I firmly believe this, and there's a piece in the book where I talk about that great sales movie, Tommy Boy. Isn't that a great movie? If you haven't seen the movie Tommy Boy, I suggest you buy it and send the bill to Sales Gravy. They'll be happy to buy, they'll be happy to pay for it. In the movie, there's a wonderful scene, and and I write about it in the book, where where uh, it, it's all about getting chicken wings. And the whole idea is that, well, mm, mm. if they weren't successful getting chicken wings, they had a meat lover's pizza in the trunk of the car. Some of you can relate to that right now. And see, what this is all about is you want to set yourself up to achieve a goal, to achieve an accomplishment early on in the day, Monday. And I firmly believe this because momentum creates momentum. So what I've outlined in the book is 10 steps, actually five that you do on Sunday night. Yes, Sunday night, the best people always get ready the day before because tomorrow begins today. And then what you do, those five steps, Monday morning. And, and what is it about? It's about getting you in the game set. And oh, by the way, those same 10 things you can do every day of the week. Because I'll tell you what, the top performer, especially right now, if, if you've been moved out of, a, out of an office and you're now working from home, it can be tempting to sit down and, and, and spend an hour on Facebook uh, or LinkedIn, whatever it is. Hey, folks, that's not the best use of your time. Brian Tracy has a great line, and I know, Jeb, you've used it a lot. Eat the frog. Eat the frog first thing, because at least you got the worst part of your day out of the way early. I always attack. I always attack the day by hitting the first, the most important, critical piece that I got to get done. What does that do? It motivates me. And you know what's interesting? When you get in the groove of starting, then you know what happens? You never, ever drift back to saying, oh, let me go out on Facebook. Let me go out on YouTube. And Jeb, I know you've used this line. You go out to YouTube and what do you do? You wind up watching stupid cat videos. I've heard you use that line many, many times. And that's so true because what happens is we all get distracted so easily. Focus, 
Discipline is so critical in the sales process. The top performers, they're disciplined and they're focused. They know what their goals are. They know what their outcomes. And that's what Monday's all about. Setting yourself up that what are the outcomes I'm going to be doing this week? You know, what are the activities I got to do to achieve my outcomes? It's not about a to-do list. I hate to-do lists because to-do lists wind up, oh, that's so lame. I want to achieve an outcome. That's where I want my focus. That's what your focus is. And when you start off Mondays like that, it's amazing how the rest of the week, sales managers, here's a heads up on you. Why are you taking two hours to do a, a weekly sales meeting? Why? Why are you wasting your salespeople's time? You can do that in 30, 45 minutes max and make it about the outcomes that they're going to create. Okay, we won't bother to go down that path. I know you got a lot of content on that. I do too. But hey, anyway. Well, I think, I think you said a couple of things. Let's go back to a really simple definition of, the, of, of discipline. Discipline is sacrificing what you want now, watching cat videos for what you want most, making deals and closing business and reaching out to your prospects and your customers. It's those things. Before we leave this, though, you said there's 10 things that you can do on a Sunday night. And I want you to give away everything, and we don't have time for that. But can you give us your top three tips that salespeople can take away right yes. now that they can plan for that will, that will make them better? And before you say that, I, I want to repeat something that you said. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it a little bit different way. The way you start your week is likely the way you're going to end your week. The way you begin your day is how you're going to end your day. So you said this, Mark, it was brilliant. Start matters. How you start matters. Give us three tips, Mark. Yeah, three, three tips. First of all, Sunday night, I want you to sit down and I want you to celebrate the week prior. I want you to sit down and give yourself a big hug for what you did really well. That's great. That begins to frame up your mind. Two, what I want you to do is I want you to create a list of your outcomes. What are the outcomes? Not the to-do. At, at Come Friday, where do you want to be? And three, I want you to write a list of the people who you intend to influence and, and impact. Because these are going to be the people that you are going to be reaching out to, touching base with, to help you achieve your outcome. So those are just three of the 10. But I'll tell you what it's about. It's getting the head right. Because when you get your head right, like I said, start matters. I want to hit that ground Monday morning fast. Excellent. So, uh, so I know that because you and I are good friends and we talk to each other all the time and we, we built outbound together and we got all these things going on in our lives and we write books and, and we wake up in the morning and we think about sales. We go to bed at night and we think about sales. Uh, I, you know, it's like never leaves me. And my wife was teasing me this morning at breakfast. She was saying like, you know, there's something, there's some screw loose in your head because the only thing that you will ever talk about is sales. And I go, yeah. And, you know, our friend Jeffrey Gittimer, I go to his house and we hang out for like days and every conversation is about sales. We're passionate about it. It's a lifestyle for us. Now, I've heard you say from the stage, I've heard you say from, you know, on videos, I've heard you say on podcasts that, that prospecting, that sales, it's got to be a lifestyle. But here's the question I have for you, because I think some of the frustration that maybe I feel and you feel sometimes when we're trying to get out our messages, not everybody buys into it. I mean, what makes you believe that the average salesperson is going to put on that mindset, that, that sales is, is a, a lifestyle? It's, in other words, it's not a nine to five job. There are no vacations. There are no days off. It is always on. You're always selling. There's no lunch break. It's always on. How do you expect people to get into that? Well, you know, it, it, I wasn't into it initially, you know, in the first part of the book, I talk about how I was fired from my first two sales jobs. I mean, I, I and, and I wound up only in sales because of the Seattle Police Department. That's a whole separate story. But here's the whole thing. This is what I tell salespeople. What I want you to do is I want you to take all your customers and write down what are the outcomes? What are the outcomes that you've not what you sold them, but how did what you sell them help them write those down? And when you write those down, you begin to say, hey, you know what? I have made a difference with these people. I've made a difference in their lives. I made a difference in their companies. I made it. And, and what it comes down to is when you have this belief that you can help people, and then you begin to back your way up and you say, who are these people that I, I who are like people like that? Your ICP, your ideal customer profile. And, and then it's amazing how it begins to shift and begins to change. 
And you're right. There is long periods of suck in sales. There's long periods of suck. But I'll tell you what, when you can have that meaningful conversation and you've helped move somebody forward, I'm sorry, but to me, that absolutely excites me. That's why I, I say that sales is not a job. Sales is not a profession. Sales is a lifestyle. And I know there are people out there who say, man, you've got to screw loose. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I've heard other people say just what Carrie tell. But then again, you have a few other screws. Yeah, no, we, we won't bother going to that. Um, he, here's what it comes down to. It's having a passion for helping people. Passion. You see, I am passionate about helping people. Sales is just my medium I use to help people. So if I have the ability to help somebody, it's my responsibility to reach out to them. I sent out this morning, Saturday, we're doing this on a Saturday. I sent out a bunch of prospecting emails this morning to key people, to key individuals. I'm going to do the same thing again tomorrow. I, I love prospecting and I don't care what's going on around me. If there are people I can help, you see, I get excited because of the outcomes I create. Focus not on what you sell. Focus on the outcomes you create. To me, that's the start of prospecting. That's the start of seeing sales as a lifestyle. Okay, so that makes sense to me, and I get that. I understand it, and I, I can feel your passion, as, as always, when you say sales is a, a lifestyle. This is, this is who we are, not what we do. And I think that's really important. Likewise, a, a line that you use often is that sales is leadership and leadership is sales. And I, that's, that's a line that I'm not sure everybody totally gets. So let's take a moment and let you walk us through what exactly does that mean? And how as a sales professional do I actualize uh, leadership and sales and putting those things together uh, in the right combination? Ask a top performing salesperson. And, and oh, when I mean top performing salesperson, not somebody who's top for one quarter or one year, but top overall, long term, long term. You know what they are? They're a leader. They're a leader to their customers. They are leading their customers. And see, what is that? That's a salesperson. You see, to be top of the game, you have to be a leader. Same thing. You look at it. You, you look at a very influential leader. What are they doing? They're selling. You know, I use an example a lot of times during World War II of Winston Churchill and General Dwight D. Eisenhower. They were both in key positions during World War II. Well, they were leaders, but believe me, they were selling, you see. Now, I'm not expecting us to take on that same role, but what I'm saying is that we have an, a, an, a, uh, our objective is to lead our customers and we lead them by demonstrating a level of integrity, accountability, and trust. And what does that do? When, when I have integrity, accountability, and trust, what does that do? That creates a level of confidence with the customer. And oh, by the way, people are not going to do business with salespeople if they don't feel a level of confidence. It, it's just that simple, especially if what you're selling is a high ticket item. No, they're not. So I've got to create this level of confidence. So the more I am seen as a leader, a sales leader to my customers, to my peers, it's amazing how it changes. And oh, by the way, you know what happens? When you begin to adopt the mindset of being a sales leader, you hear better, you listen better. Look at some of the best coaches out there. Let's take the National Football League. We'll use one sports analogy, Bill Belichick. Look at Bill Belichick on the sideline. That man is cerebral as can be. What is he? He's brilliant because he's three steps ahead of you. He's three steps ahead of everyone out there. You see, what is he doing? He, he demonstrates a level of leadership among the New England Patriots organization. Is he demonstrating selling? You bet he's selling. Because believe me, if as a player, you don't buy into his system, he ships you out pretty quickly. So he's that sales leader. And, and I can go through it and, and it time and time again, sales leadership is more important now than ever. And it's not going to go away. I love that. That's uh that's that's brilliant. There's um in, in the book you talk about the the salesperson's three greatest assets. And I thought this was particularly important. Uh, and and I'd, I'd like for you to 
just take a second and and walk us through what in in the average salesperson's mind are their assets and what in the in, in the in the person who has a mind for sales what do they believe their three greatest assets are well you ask you ask a typical salesperson what are your three greatest assets and they'll say oh it's my product it's my customers and it's my price no false false your three greatest assets are your time your mind and your network and again okay, this is one, a one, mind one, 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 for say sales that one more time let's stop say that one more time your time your three greatest assets time your time your mind and and your network Ooh, that's pretty good time mind and network okay walk us through that that's that's brilliant okay now let's stop and think of this. Your your most valuable asset is your time. Your goal each day is to preserve your time. This is why I sit here and I say I don't have time to spend with non-qualified prospects. This is why I say you have to you have to qualify quickly to make sure that you're spending more time with better prospects. Okay, so you want to you want to protect your time. Two, you grow your mind. Every day, I want you to end the day by asking yourself, what did I learn today? What did I learn? You know what's very interesting? Top performing people, the top people, always go into everything, anything, knowing they can learn something. Average people go in and they say, oh, I can't learn anything here. You see, the top performing person always knows that there's something to learn. See, so I, I'm protecting my time, I'm growing my mind, and I'm nurturing my network. I'm not using my network, I'm nurturing my network. What is nurturing your network? You're helping your network be better. Think about what you and I are doing here today. What are we doing? You're interviewing me for my new book and you've got, you had a new book come out. I did the same for you. We're nurturing each other. You see, we're lifting each other up. And I, and I say, you know, Jim Rohn had, had this line. He said, you become the sum of the five people you hang out with the most. And oh, that's true. So you got to stop and ask yourself, who is in your network? It's why I have a chapter in the book on mastermind groups. How do you create a mastermind? Every salesperson has got to have a mastermind group because what is it about? It's about unlocking amazing talent in yourself and in others. And what I found is it's an old line, a rising tide lifts all boats. So if I approach each day, how am I going to protect my time? How am I going to grow my mind? And how am I going to nurture my network? You do that 365 days a year, and I guarantee it, you will be in a significant, significantly better place one year from now. It's, I love that the uh, the saying, uh, "The rising tide lifts all boats." And and if you if you think about where we are right now, that's exactly true. Uh, but right now, the tide is going out, so we're we're about to see all of the sales professionals that have been out swimming naked. Uh, it's it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna light everything up. And by the way, I didn't get that saying myself. I got that from Wes Schaefer. Um, and uh, but he's exactly right. So if you've got the wrong mindset for sales, if you've been doing the wrong things, suddenly if you think your assets, your territory, uh, and everything changed, you're you're done. I mean, it's over, and we're gonna be able to see that. One executive that I work with, one of my clients, says that when the times were really good, when when the economy was hot, that he was not not really able to tell who were the top performers and who were the average and mediocre performers. He said, but when there's a dip, he said, suddenly it is incredibly apparent who is in which group and who's in the other group. Um, let's talk about time for just a moment. You talk about customer facing time in the book and, and why that's important, but, but suddenly there's selling from home, working from home, there's social distancing. We are in a little bit of a, a weird spot but I don't think this is going to change, is, and I think this is going to continue where um, customer-facing time is going to take on different meetings. Talk, talk about how that's going to shift from your standpoint going forward, and also why we must not lose sight of customer-facing time, even though the shape of that time may change just a little bit. CFT is incredibly important, and this is customer-facing time, because you and I both talk about this a lot, how... how People will spend too much time getting prepared to sell, getting prepared to prospect, and they never get around to doing it. Customer-facing time is what is the time that you're on the phone, you're on a video call, you're you're in a you're you're face-to-face -face 
in some manner, might be email exchange, text message exchange, something happening, customer facing time. And I tell sales managers, you've got to monitor your people. But here's where I'm seeing this change right now. And some of it's good because there's two forms of CFT, CFT with existing customers and CFT prospecting. And what I find is that if you are not held accountable for your CFT prospecting, you will naturally gravitate towards existing customers. Now, right now in this period that we're in, I'm telling everybody, and I know you are too, you got to make sure that you're taking care of your existing customers. You got to make sure you're taking that, okay? So there might be a little more accent over there, but, but, but I can never allow my top of the funnel time to drop to zero. I can't because what's going to happen is, is, is if I stop doing, if I stop prospecting now, I will soon have no new customers a quarter from now, a month from now, whatever your sales cycle is. And what this means is that I got to, I got to block my time, CFT. You know, you talk about having the selling hour, the prospecting hour, the telephone hour. Yeah. You have to say, what is my CFT for prospecting? What is my CFT for existing customers? And I'll tell you what, until that time gets to 100%, guess what? There's still other efficiencies we have to do. So that comes right back into maximizing your time because a typical salesperson spends way too much time dinking around, getting ready, doing admin. And as I say in the book, hey, having all your administrative work done, your CRM up to date is not going to get you into the president's circle. It's going to be the business you sell, the deals you close, the revenue you generate. That's what's going to put you on the beaches in Hawaii winning the president's club trip. Yeah, I think it's it's the it's the tendency for salespeople to plan, to plan, to plan, to plan, to plan, to plan to do something. And right now, especially in this climate, it's really easy to, to spend your time planning and not doing anything. What I can tell you, though, is that momentum matters and action matters. And what you're doing right now matters. It matters greatly. And, and we go back to what you said earlier, having that mindset of how I start my day is how I'm going to end my day. And that means that you have to start building a routine in, that you start strong, that you begin doing things that generate momentum, generate uh, opportunity, generate outcomes, and planning to plan to plan is not going to get you there. Now, Mark, you and I in, have, have spoken in the past. We did a video a couple of years ago about why salespeople don't use their CRM. And I think this is apropos for this conversation about customer-facing time and planning to plan and, and admin and all these other things. But in the book, like you throw some pretty ugly um, you know, daggers at the, uh, at the CRM industry as a whole and CRMs and all of the technology um, that, that, uh, that salespeople are getting caught up in and um, and you know I might I'm I'm kind of staying out of the fray on this one. I'm on a duck a little bit because it gets pretty ugly in, in in the book on this. But I think it's an important conversation to have. And so um, I'm going to, uh, to to tell the producer to put you back on screen so people can't see me while you're throwing darts at this at this uh, the whole industry of CRM. But talk to us about this. Talk about why it's important. And talk to us about what salespeople and sales managers need to be doing right now to keep the CRM from holding them back in the sales process. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I do throw some daggers at the whole SaaS community and CRM because here's the whole thing. I see way too many people, way too many organizations say, oh, 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 the way we'll get more sales, the way we'll become more efficient is we just bring in a new CRM. We, we bring in a new system. We, we, we wind up creating these elaborate systems, these elaborate processes that do nothing but hold us hostage. Here's what I find. The sheer number of companies out there in the sales enablement, sales engagement, whatever you want to call it space, is overwhelming, huge, massive. And let me tell you something. They're good salespeople. They are really good salespeople because they've convinced everybody that you need them. So what happens is you wind up bringing another tool on top of another tool on top of another tool. Now, I, I love tools. I've got tools in my sales stack. I do a lot of work with a lot of SaaS companies. But what I, what I say is that you have to make sure that it fits the outcome. You see, what I find happening is that there were a lot of SaaS companies that were created because they could get funding to come up with a solution for a problem that did not even exist. See, I'm happy with, with 
sales tools. I'm happy with CRM systems. I want every organization to have them, but make sure you brought them in because they fit the outcome you want to achieve, not because they're really cool, they're really sexy, and everybody else has them. Now, here's what I find happening. Because you got all these sales tools, what happens is you become beholden to the process. You become beholden to the process. And let me tell you something. I can have the best process in the world, but if my head's not screwed on straight, it's not going to work. You see, the psychological, somebody asked me this question the other day, Mark, what's more important, the right headset or having the right tools? And I said, first of all, you have to remember that your headset, your mind is the most powerful sales tool that you have. It's the most powerful tool. That's the tool that has to drive everything else. So my argument is this, don't buy more tools. And, and I share a story, I share a couple of stories in there where, where, where I was brought into, wow, millions of dollars being spent on CRM systems and tools that were purely being put in place for a series of objectives that didn't fit what sales was looking for. Excuse me, big mistake. What's the outcome? Make sure the tool matches the outcome. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox. I'll calm down. But yeah, I'm passionate about it. I, th I think you're right. I mean, as we, as we drop into virtual selling and changing what customer facing means and selling from home, working from home, and, and, and this is true for both inside sales teams and it's true for people who work in the field, this, the sales stack has to bridge to human to human connection. It can't be something that gets in the way of it. It can't be a barrier. It has to help you become more efficient. It has to boost productivity. And, and one of the things, the, the problems are, and I think you said this, is that some of the SaaS companies are really good at selling. And I heard this just, just this past week from a top executive in a really large company. They did a really good job of selling us on this. They just didn't tell us that there was all this other stuff that we had to do in order to make it actually a productive, a product, a productive tool, a productive tool. Let me try to get that out of my mouth. And, and, and until we do the operation side of it, until we teach people how to use it, until we turn it in part of our sales process, all we have is just a brick. It's a brick that we're paying every single month for, a bunch of seeds for, but it's not getting us anywhere. And then it becomes an excuse to start the day with doing admin. And eventually it gets hard, so you end up watching cat videos on YouTube. So I think that's important. Now, there's a, there's a couple of things that you, there's a couple of other things that you say in the book that uh, I honestly, I'm, you know, again, I'm going to duck because so, people are going to throw some bricks at you. Uh, but one of the things that you said that to me seems really controversial is that you don't like the phrase close the sale. So tell us a little bit about that and why you don't like closing the sale. And, and, and for all the people that are cringing, just have patience here. I'm sure that's going to be a good explanation. Yeah. First of all, closing the sale is a terminal sound. I mean, it just feels like it's ending. Okay, we're done. It's been a wonderful relationship. Let's move on. I believe that closing is opening a relationship. So I want to say the close is the opening. It's the next step. It's now where we've got mutual commitment between you, because you bought from me, and me that I've sold to you. Okay, so we now have mutual commitment. So basically, we now have a marriage one of the things that I challenge salespeople with and I challenge organizations with is to look at your long-term sales numbers. Where, do the, where does this business come from? And you want to see an increasing trend year over year of more business coming to you because of existing customers and referrals, et cetera, et cetera. Now, what is that an indication of? That means you are selling and meeting the expectations of your customers. If that's not long-term trending upward, that means you're not delivering on the expectations of your customer. Then you truly are closing. You see, so what I want to say is this. The only good sale is one that leads to the next sale. Think about that for a moment. If I'm going to invest all this time, we'll say that I'm selling to you, Jeb. I'm selling to Sales Gravy. I'm going to take all this time to, to, to sell to you. I don't want this to be a one-off transaction. I want this to be an engagement where you say, wow, this is great. Mark, what else do you have? And, and I can keep bringing more value to you. And you believe so strongly in me that you turn around and refer me. You, you, you. I become 
more important to you and your circle. You see, that's how we really demonstrate sales leadership. So the, the only reason I don't like the word closing is, is just because of, again, the mindset. It, it's, it's just a mindset. Yeah, I think Open a relationship. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I write about this in my brand new book that will be after the next book, um, Business Outcome Selling Strategies that will be out in January of 2021. Um, and in Business Outcome Selling, we, we talk about this, Mark, really more at the enterprise level, that the sales organizations have gotten hooked up in creating sales outcomes. So that's solution selling. I go in and I make a recommendation, and then you buy the recommendation, my solution, exactly what we were talking about the SaaS companies. SaaS companies are really good at, at selling the recommendation, the solution, but that's a sales outcome. I close the deal, I move on, I get to the next step. What you're talking about is business outcomes and business outcomes is the entire circle, right? So it's okay, I sold it, now we have to implement, now we have to deliver on it, now we have to, to, to manage the account, we have to um, create what we call referenceable and, manage and measurable business outcomes, Rambos, so that you can go use those as referrals with other companies so it's a circle, not a line. And, and I think this is a big shift in business. I think that, that uh, companies, especially at the enterprise and large account uh, standpoint, are looking for more from their, from their vendors than just sell me something. They're looking for you to take it all the way through. They're looking for you to help, to help them operationalize your solution, to create, put it in their workflows, and to make it sustainable over time. And by the way, when you deliver those measurable business outcomes, it does create something that's referenceable, and they will take you and, and hand you off to their other to, to their you know to, to references that they want to give you because you've actually done something, you've actually created something that 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 is of value to them. And I, I don't think a lot of people get that, and I I really appreciated that part about the book uh, because I think that once salespeople change their mindset about what my role is, now certainly there are roles where I grew up in a role where my job was to close the deal and hand it off to someone else and move on. So if you're a leader listening to this, you have to start changing your mindset and look at the whole world. Maybe you have salespeople who are in the business development piece, and then they're handing it off to an account manager or account executive, and then they move it to an account manager, and then it goes to customer success. Maybe those are the different movements in your, in your process, but those things have to all connect together so that the customer gets the outcome that they desire. So this book is incredible and timely and right. And it, uh, you know, it's, it's everything that salespeople need to read right now. Uh, before we, we, we conclude this, this conversation, I want to give you an opportunity to just freeform talk about the things that maybe one or two things that you really want people to take away from this. And, and I'm looking for you to kind of speak from the heart. Like what about this book? Is, is here that you want people to, to, to know, feel, take away that, uh, that will inspire them to stop and both read the book and check their own mindset? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Here's what it comes down to. It's about influence and impact. Your goal, my goal each day is to be able to influence and impact everyone I come in contact with. If I can be the better part, I don't want to be the best part of your day, Jeb. I want to leave that up to your family, your wife. You know, I, I want you to leave it, but I want to be one of the better parts here. If I can do that each day to the people I come in contact with, then I will have earned the right, the privilege, honor, and respect. You see, there's something very interesting about sales. Sales is about having a big ego. Now, what do I mean by ego? I'm going to break this down. It's three letters, E-G-O, empowering greater outcomes. And we've been talking about Zig Ziglar a couple times here, but let me share with you this thought. My objective is I want to have an ego. I want to empower greater outcomes in everybody I come in contact with. And that's what I get to do when I have a conversation with you. You may say no to me right now. You may say, no, I'm not interested. Well, that's okay. No is only a moment in time. I'm not going to be upset about it. I'm not going to be upset. I'm going to move on to the next person. You know what? I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk to you again. It just means that I haven't demonstrated the right value. There, 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 there's several pieces in there, but, but here, here's what it is. My objective is that I still want to leave you in a better place. And, and, and if I can leave you in a better place where I've been able to influence the impact, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to create a level of trust. 
I'm going to create a level of trust. And I'm going to do this with a level of integrity. There's a line I use in the book, and I use it a lot. When you prospect or when you sell with integrity, you will get customers or clients who have integrity. Now, stop and think about that for just a moment. You know, there's a lot of scummy customers out there. And you know what happens? They tend to, to cling to scummy companies. They do. I, I had a person approach me. He said, man, we've got, we've got nasty, we got really bad customers. And it didn't take me long to kind of go through their organization and realize, well, you know what? Mm, this is the signal you're sending. This is really who you are. You will attract the type of customer that you want to be. There was a gentleman years ago who shared with me the comment, Alan Weiss. He's a business consultant and uh, you know he's got a lot of different uh, views out there. But one of the comments he made the comment, he said, he said, think about this from a business perspective. Would you rather be selling to people who try to get upgraded first class or would you rather be selling to people who fly first class? You see, what this comes down to is understanding the lane that you're in and understanding who you are. When you understand your voice, it is amazing how much more confident you are when you have a conversation. And when you're confident, it's amazing how you create a level of trust and a level of accountability and a level of integrity with each person you come in contact with. To me, that's what sales is all about. Mark, that was a fantastic way to end this incredible conversation. And if you want to find out more about Mark, go to thesaleshunter.com. That's thesaleshunter.com. Mark has an incredible newsletter. It goes out every single week. And to purchase a mind for sales, I want you to go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Google Play, iBooks, wherever books are sold. Thank you for joining me in the Sales Gravy Clubhouse. I'm going to leave you with this. It was Mark's words. You get the customer you deserve. You get the income you deserve. You get the life you deserve because you choose the mindset that will get you to those places. 